Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Oh, wow. Aaron is just feeling himself, isn't he? Just loving life. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. All of a sudden... It's like they have the, what is it, the Undertaker gif, right? Oh, we're back alive. Settle down. I'm going to be closing the casket there in a few minutes on that team. (laughs) Okay, it's not that far off. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. We're on Sirius XM Channel 80. Oh, and your smart speakers as well. 888-ESPN is the Dr. Pepper call in line. 888-729-3776. I'm sorry. I am not buying in to a Packer resurgence here at all. But on the flip side, Canty, yesterday was a very, very interesting day for the Dallas Cowboys. In losing that game and continuing to struggle against the run with a 14-point lead and then not running the ball themselves nearly enough with that uh, lead, although it was never fully 14 when they had the ball, it's, Canty, to me... uh, We can sit and talk about the Cowboys. I'm not going to worry about them quite yet, but it does raise an eyebrow or two, and I would understand those who would have genuine concern for what's going on right now. Well, yeah, the penalties and the turnovers is what killed you yesterday, right? Because you allowed Green Bay to climb back in that game. The Packers were able to get 14 points off of Cowboys turnovers, and then the penalties is what got you in overtime, Carl, and you had two penalties Jalen Tolbert, the rookie wide receiver, lining up offsides. God knows how that happens, especially in that spot. And then you had the Connor McGovern hold that called back a Malik Davis run that would have put the ball inside of the plus 30. So there were situations where the Dallas Cowboys could have made things a lot easier for themselves, and they didn't because they weren't able to execute. And on top of it, they were undisciplined. So the turnovers, Dak has got to get that cleaned up. Shout out to Rudy Ford, a young guy making some plays in that Packers secondary. But then also the penalties, Carlin. And when we start talking about the Cowboys and penalties, it's hard not to go back to that wild card game against the San Francisco 49ers last year when they had double-digit penalties. And that cost them a game, an opportunity late uh, in order to try to make it a ball game against the Niners. So, yeah, when it comes to the Cowboys, those are the things that you worry about, especially in the biggest spots. And it's starting to become... I, I don't know. It's starting to become one of those things we expect from the Dallas Cowboys under Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy in terms of coming up small when the team has an opportunity to potentially close the gap with the Philadelphia Eagles, who are the number one seed in the NFC. Well, the penalty, the penalties, I should say, I mean, they've had 64 of them this year. That's seven a game. Yeah. That's fifth most in the league right now. It, it It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable for what they are hoping to do this year. And so with that in mind, Canty, I have to pin a lot of that on the coaching. And the other thing I have to pin on the coaching is how they handled the second half of that game. We have talked to no end about the need to continue to play football with, I don't want to call it power, but 
they need to run the football first and foremost, no matter mm-hmm. who the quarterback is. And yesterday, in the moments of that game down the stretch, when it was uh, when it mattered the most against a team that is not good against the run, <laughs> they didn't run the football nearly enough. And when they did, it wasn't nearly effective enough, with the exception of, well, that Malik Davis run that was called back. Yeah, I mean, they ran the ball 16 times in the first half, Carl. In the second half, they only ran it 12 times. And there was a contrast in time of possession as such. You mm-hmm. ran it more in the first half, you won time of possession. You ran it less in the second half, you had the ball less than 12 minutes compared to the Green Bay Packers who held the ball in the second half of that game for 18 minutes and 15 seconds. That can't happen when you have a double-digit lead. So you have to blame Mike McCarthy in that instance. Now, I don't blame Mike McCarthy for going on and on fourth and three in overtime. I thought that was the right call, Carlin, because you've got it in plus territory. And the last thing you want to do is hand the ball back to a Packers offense who your defense showed in the fourth quarter. They can't stop. Yeah. So it made sense for Mike McCarthy to trust his $40 million quarterback to see if he could get something done. But unfortunately... Dak Prescott came up small. The offensive line also came up small in that spot, too. They deserve some criticism because although they kept a relatively clean pocket for Prescott through the first three quarters of that game, that O-line struggled in the fourth quarter and in overtime with that Packers pass rush that didn't have Rashawn Gary. So we got to put some criticism there. But ultimately, it's about the quarterback being able to come through in that spot, man. And fourth and three, even if you don't have guys that are open by the play design, that's when you're leaning on Dak Prescott to be a force multiplier. And unfortunately, in that spot, he wasn't able to come through for his team. So I think it's absolutely fair to criticize the quarterback and not the head coach for that decision and that outcome. Here's Dan Orlovsky, ESPN NFL analyst on that very topic. Walking off yesterday, if I was the Cowboys, I'd be scared to death right now. My quarterback is not playing good football. That's the truth. Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush have basically played the same amount of games this year. Cooper Rush's QBR is almost 10 points higher. Same people, playing with the same cats. See, this is where the numbers get me, though, okay? We're not going to sit here and say that that Cooper Rush operated this whole thing better. He deserves criticism. I ain't going to do that. I ain't going to do that. No, 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 no. Of course not. Uh, Clearly, he was not at his best yesterday. Mm -hmm. But as much as I don't want the Cowboys to get away from their identity, I will at least acknowledge the fact that they don't have enough firepower here right now on the offensive side of the ball. And I'll agree with that, Carlin, and it only gets exacerbated with Ezekiel Elliott not being in the lineup. Now, to what Orlovsky was saying, I wonder if Cooper Rush is the quarterback, and you know that going into the Packers game, does Mike McCarthy and the athletic training staff push Ezekiel Elliott to be out there? Oh, absolutely. Because, because they I were think the so. ones that were saying, oh, we're not going to play Zeke unless he's 100%. Well, if you got Cooper Rush as your quarterback and you're saying he's a lesser talent than Dak is, then maybe it's more of an on all hands on deck situation. Yeah. And maybe you're more forward leaning with your run game in the second half. But I can understand why McCarthy didn't want to do that because Tony Pollard already had 11 rushes in the first half. We've talked about it at nauseum how this is not a volume running back. And you don't want to wear them out before the second half really gets started. So I get why they might have pulled back on Tony Pollard's touches, but that shouldn't have gotten the Cowboys away from the run game, especially when you're up by 14 points, because that is what complements the strength of that team, which is the defense. And here's the thing, Carlin, your defense was getting worn out by the Packers run game. So if nothing else, run the football 
and let those guys get some rest so they can get back on the field and see if they can have a chance to get some stops. They weren't able to do that yesterday, and I think McCarthy taking the ball out of his running back's hands and putting it in Dak's hands is a part of why things unfolded the way they did. Okay, but let me ask this question, though. Is it fair to say that doing what McCarthy did would have been for the betterment long-term for the Cowboys with Elliott, uh, primarily because they're making the playoffs. You know, you look at the NFC. They're, they're not winning the division, but they're making the playoffs. So I need to make sure I have all hands on deck, and I know it's still early to be saying that. It's not like resting somebody in Week 17, but if I'm paying my quarterback what I'm paying him, I need to be able to get through a game like that yesterday against a team that was really struggling. Really no, struggling. Carlin, I'm with you, but the difference in seeding could mean making the playoffs and having to deal with Minnesota or Philly versus making the playoffs and having to deal with Tampa or Seattle in the wild card. So I, I don't think that there's an opportunity that the Dallas Cowboys can give away because right now you're talking about them being third in their own division. And that's probably got to be an uncomfortable place especially knowing that you had a chance to contend for the division going into yesterday's matchup. So I'm with you. Maybe that might be for the betterment of the Cowboys long-term, but what became painfully obvious is they don't have enough firepower and they should continue this public love affair with Odell Beckham Jr. in hopes that he would bless them with his good graces (laughs) because they absolutely need it. That's exactly the way I would put it, in hopes that he would bless them with his presence. And it looks like that's desperately what they need right now. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. F them picks? Mm, More like F them playoffs. We'll explain next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Look, I get it. No Matthew Stafford. But Chris, 
the Rams. The Rams, for a team that just won the Super Bowl, are just remarkably painful to watch right now. Yeah. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. And on the ESPN app, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Look, losing the game to the Cardinals is is one thing, okay? Uh, Colt McCoy is I think he's I think the Cardinals are three and one when he starts games which is amazing by the way yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would I wish I had that stat if I were the Cardinals before I handed out all the money to Kyler Murray not that I'm saying it would have made a difference yeah. but you you understand what I'm saying it's just I I, I I watch the Rams and it's hard to imagine that you can see a team just disintegrate as quickly as they have. And I, I get it. It's the backup. But we've seen Wofford play well before when it's a better team around him, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't think the Rams right now, as much as they've had injuries, I, I think there might be a little bit of using that stuff as an excuse right now. They are, they are painful right now to watch. Yeah, well, as one of my former teammates used to always say, it's hard to eat when you're full. And the experiment that was mortgaging future draft picks for the here and now, when it worked out last season and they won a championship, it was mission accomplished. So coming into this year, now you're starting to deal with the downside of that, Carlin, which is not having a ton of depth. So when you have injuries at key spots, it's going to be hard for you to overcome. We talked about the offensive line. Not that it was an injury that derailed the season, but Andrew Whitworth deciding that he was going to retire. I I think people – understated how important he was to the success of that offensive line. Then Matt Stafford, in concussion protocol last week, didn't play. It was John Walford. That didn't look too pretty. And then in the game, you lost Cooper Cup to an apparent leg injury, and you're talking about a guy that's 42% of your passing yards and that's 66% of your passing touchdowns potentially not being available for you moving forward. So, Carlin, all of these things go to show you that when you don't have quality depth, when you don't have draft picks that can provide you quality depth, young players at bargain basement prices because they're on a rookie deal, you have issues restocking the coffers when it comes to having players out there that can be viable contributors to your team's success. They don't have that right now, Carlin, and that's why I think you've seen this team fall off a cliff, and it feels like it's going to be a while before the Rams get right. Now, I want to be clear about this. It is not a knock on Sean McVay, but I found myself asking two questions when I watched that game. Number one is when McVay lost Kevin O'Connell, how much of a loss was that? Mm. Is it possible that's bigger than we're all talking about? I understand that McVay is an offensive genius. Yeah. But isn't it fair to ask that question that when you lose a guy who is an offensive coordinator to be a head coach – who everybody knows isn't calling a place, he must be doing something and having some sort of a positive influence on your offense to simply get a head coaching job after that. It's not well, just about sitting there and being the caddy. Well, yeah, and especially with the success that Kevin O'Connell is having in Minnesota. But, I mean, I'll see your Kevin O'Connell and I'll raise you a Mike McDaniel yeah. who left the San Francisco 49ers as the OC. We see how good the Miami Dolphins are. They're 7-3 and three at the top of their division. And yet, the San Francisco 49ers are a top 10 offense. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're Sean McVay... So you're not buying it. Yeah, you've got, you've got to find a way to be able to navigate some of the losses and the injuries that your team is dealing with. It's not like Kyle Shanahan didn't have to deal with any losses or injuries. Hell, his starting quarterback got hurt in week two. 
Right. So, so, I mean, so uh, when we start looking at those different reasons as to why the Rams could be underachieving or not playing up to the level that a lot of people would expect the champ to play up to, I think a lot of it has to do with organizational philosophy, much more so than the losses that they had when it comes to their coaching personnel. All right. I'm going to ask you one other question, and it might seem odd, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Did you get the impression that relatively early in that game, because they were on the backup, that maybe the Rams had decided to try to play both Bryce Perkins and Cole and uh, Wofford in that game, and then they seemed to get away from it pretty quickly. I'm not saying that Bryce Perkins is the reason that they lost that game, mm-hmm. but it felt like that was something that they had kind of prepared for during the week and then all of a sudden got away from it. Yeah, it did feel like they wanted to go that route to see what they had in both the quarterbacks, but I just... Carlin, to me, this was not something that was unforeseen. I didn't think the Rams would be very good, and a big part of why is because the formula that they're using to win is not sustainable. At some point, not having draft picks is going to catch up with you, and I feel like we're at that point right now. So the money that they threw at Matt Stafford in a contract and the money that they threw at Aaron Donald in a contract extension – you're throwing good money after bad, Carl, and you're not going to get the return on investment because although those players are fantastic, at, at some point you got to have other quality players around them, and right now the Rams just don't have that. Yeah, this is this is a big reason why, Canty, I absolutely think that they should have made the move and traded away Jalen Ramsey before the deadline. I, I think that was the one piece that they could have moved and actually recouped some of what they have lost here the last couple of years. I think yeah. that would have made a difference. For yeah, and here's the thing, Carlin. I, I don't have to pay a corner $20 million a year if I'm losing games, right? I already got the championship out of it. Now sell it off and get some draft picks where you can rebuild. But it doesn't feel like the Rams are going to take that position. And, and unfortunately, I think it's going to lead to not only just one down season, but them potentially wasting the twilight of Matthew Stafford's career. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app. So is this finally catching up to the Rams? And we found something Tom Brady is not so great at. We visit with one of our top ESPN analysts to give us the answer on the Rams in moments. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Is 
another team ready to take full advantage of what's going on in their division. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. And on the ESPN app, we're presented by Progressive Insurance every Monday at this time. She joins us. She is ESPN NFL analyst Mina Kimes. Mina, we'll get to the 49ers in a second, but we got to start with the Rams right now. Canty and I were just talking about it, and frankly, are we at the point, granted Matthew Stafford didn't play, but where we are seeing that the the other side of the F them picks mentality uh, come to really have the chickens come home to roost, so to speak. I think that's totally fair. Um, you know, when you take that approach that the Rams have taken, and that, you know, more teams around the league are taking where you're um, kind of going all in uh, with how you approach the draft, free agency, et cetera, your margin of error shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. And when you're a team like the Rams that does that, you have to hit on everything, every signing, every draft pick. And unfortunately, this year, um, you're seeing that a lot of their choices over the last year just haven't paid off. Now, some of that is injuries and out of the control. I would say, you know, the offensive line is a mixture of underinvestment, you could argue, it's one of the cheaper offensive lines in the league, but also injuries. And, of course, the retirement of Andrew Whitworth. And suddenly you're at a place where if you're so dependent on a few stars to carry the team, uh, you're not really a complete team. And I think that's where the Rams are right now. I mean, and staying out west, you saw the division rival of the Rams, the San Francisco 49ers, a couple of weeks ago go all in on Christian McCaffrey and seemingly this team this year. And they were able to pick up a win in prime time against the Chargers. You couple that with the loss that the Seahawks suffered in Munich. Is this the time of the season where we're going to start to see the 49ers assert themselves in the NFC West? I think we might have lost Mina. Uh, we'll see if we can get her back in a second. Okay. All right. But uh, listen, I, I think it's a great question because the the door is wide open right there for yeah. the 49ers to just take complete control of that situation. It would be hard to imagine uh, that they wouldn't. I understand what the Seahawks have done this year, Chris, but I mean, I think we can both agree, and I know it's on paper, but the 49ers have a much better roster than the Seahawks. 49ers have a better roster, and the 49ers right now, Carlin, are only scheduled to play, what is it, two teams with a record over 500 mm-hmm. the rest of the way? So that's a pretty favorable schedule for them. We'll see how it ends up panning out, but I, I like the weapons that this team has, and they were making a point on Sunday Night Football that you're talking about them having an all-pro at wide receiver, an all-pro at running back, and an all-pro at tight end. Not to mention the best left tackle in football than Trent Williams. This is a, it's a pretty damn good San Francisco 49ers team. We know what their defense is bringing to the party, but their offense is 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 legitimate too. So they're going to be a tough out for anybody with their level of physicality and the level of coach that they're bringing to the party with Kyle Shanahan. And one of those two teams that they've got remaining that's got the over 500 uh, record is the Seahawks, who they obviously could take advantage of if they can go and win in Seattle, it's going to go that could basically salt it away. Uh, Mina, we were asking about the 49ers and if last night was where uh, they start to take charge in that NFC West. I think so. I think they're the best team in the division. Um, you know, I would say last night playing the Chargers, who are so banged up, you're still encouraged by what you saw from the defense, which remains one of the best defenses in the NFL, despite some injuries. But, you know, the offense wasn't terribly explosive against the battered Chargers defense. And that's going to always be the question mark with this 49ers offense. Um, How far can Jimmy Garoppolo really take them? And I would also add, on top of that, 
is Kyle Shanahan willing to be aggressive enough um, to keep up with some of the better offenses in the league? You saw that lack of aggression on display a little bit last night. Now, it didn't obviously give them the loss because I would say arguably because of the injuries that the Chargers were dealing with, but it feels like they need to be a little bit more aggressive on all counts on offense to really be considered one of the NFL's elite. Mina, yesterday's win over the Seahawks give the Bucks two wins in a row as they head into their bye week. It feels like they're the team to beat in the NFC South, but just exactly what is the ceiling for this Tampa Bay team based off what you've seen? I remain convinced that Tampa Bay will not only win their division, but has the potential to make a deep playoff run. Wow. Um, you know, was, yeah, you know, through the first few weeks of the season, every time I was asked about Brady and the Bucks, what's wrong with them? I just would say over and over, well, they have personnel. I mean, there's some issues. I think the loss of Shaq Barrett is going to hurt a lot. And then the interior of the offensive line has been a problem, although I think they've made some changes there that have helped. But for the most part, when I look at this team, they're just shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, and then offensively, there are issues with play calling. Um, I think Tom Brady being uncomfortable behind the offensive line. And I wouldn't say they've flipped a switch necessarily, but they were healthier than they've been. You know, obviously having the three starting wide receivers in the lineups help as well and getting Anton Winslow Jr. back. And Brady just looks more comfortable than he has in a while. And I think that's something that's going to continue as long as those guys stay healthy. Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst, joining us right now on Canty and Carlin. Mina, who's the second best team in the NFC? Gosh, I know I'm supposed to say the Minnesota Vikings, but I just don't believe in the Minnesota Vikings. (laughs) None of us do, Mina. None of us do. I mean, I... Gosh, um, I really think that Dallas, I know we just saw them lose, and I know it was a bit of a letdown and that there's issues with that run defense, but I kind of think they're going to get OBJ, and I think that's not why, but I think that they have the players to compete with any team in the NFL. I think sometimes, you know, there's you saw penalties. I do think they need to get that ironed out in run defense and some of Dak Prescott's decision-making. But they're still a really good football team from a personnel perspective, and I would put them next to the Eagles in that regard. Talking to ESPN NFL analyst Mina Kimes on Canteen Carlin. And Mina, another one of those teams that I'm struggling to believe in is the Miami Dolphins. And I get it, Tua's been fantastic in the games that he started and finished their 7-0. and I think it's understated how bad their defense is. So my question to you is, can Tua play well enough to overcome the deficiencies on the defensive side of the ball for this team to make a deep playoff run? Well, I think the offense as a whole, you know, with with Miami, it really is about uh, everything. Mike McDaniel is it all, getting Tron Armstead in the mix, obviously the skill players into a everyone playing together that makes them just such a buzzsaw, a buzzsaw that it should be noted, just beat the Lions and the Browns, who might be the worst defenses in the NFL. <laughs> so I'm very curious to see how they look against San Francisco in a couple of weeks. But I'll say this, guys. I was actually more encouraged in this last game by the performance of the defense than the offense because while the Browns' defense is one of the best in the NFL, they do have one of the best offensive lines in the league. And you saw, I think, this – Miami pass rush finally heating up. It's why they traded for Bradley Chubb, so they wouldn't have to get blitz to get pressure. And that, to me, is a very significant development because, as you said, the defense has been underwhelming. Mina, am I to take the Packers seriously as to having turned things around all of a sudden? No. Thank no, you. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't think they're as bad as they were, obviously, having the young wide receivers come on, especially Christian Watson being able to kind of beat man coverage and separate the way he has. But there's still a lot of holes on the team. I still think that the defense is less than some of their parts. 
And I think they've just got too much ground to make up at this point. Mina, appreciate the time. As always, great stuff. And I just want you to think about this a little bit for next week because I've been meaning to ask you this question, but I don't want you to answer it right now. I need real, (laughs) real consideration. When it comes to Dan Orlovsky, his worst food take of all time. I just want you to think about that. Yeah, yeah, that's going to take me a while. Exactly. Exactly. So you've got a week to think about that. We appreciate it. Thanks, Mina. Bye, guys. Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst, in moments, Canty is going to tell you why Derek Carr may have struck the exact right tone in his emotional postgame press conference yesterday. That's next, ESPN Radio. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Let's get to it. Derek Carr yesterday, post-game, the Raiders quarterback, after they lost to the Indianapolis Colts in Jeff Saturday's first game. Take a listen. I love Josh. I love love Josh. I love the car. I love our coaches. They've had nothing but success. Way more success than I've ever had. You know, I'm sorry. Sorry for being emotional. I'm just pissed off about some of the things, you know, that a lot of us try and do just to practice what we put our bodies through just to sleep at night. And for that to be the result of all that effort pisses me off. Pisses a lot of guys off. It's hard knowing what some guys are doing. Like I said, just to practice what they're putting in their body just to sleep at night. Like just so we could be there for each other. And I wish everybody in that room felt the same way about this place. And as a leader, that pisses me off. If I'm being honest. Well, that's very telling, especially at the end there, Canty. What was your reaction to hearing Derek Carr yesterday? Well, I thought it was a lot of raw emotion, Carlin, and sometimes true leadership calls for that, um, to let guys know how much you care, to let them see, um, you know, see you wear it on your sleeve, so to speak. I think that matters. Um, and, And so... When it comes to being a good leader, you have to have a pulse of the locker room, a pulse on everybody in the building, and understand when they need a kick in the pants or a pat on the back. And I would say yesterday's post-game commentary from Derek Carr leaned toward the latter rather than the former. And right now, when you're talking about the way that the Las Vegas Raiders are losing those games, I think that's probably the right approach because there's frustration throughout that entire building, everybody's mad that they've lost three games in a row. And, Carlin, you're talking about them losing games where they have double-digit leads. I, I, here's the thing I always wonder about. Are you better served just keeping that one private? Like, it, does there ever come 
real positivity or change behind the scenes in a situation like that in a locker room when you are saying that publicly. I know you could be saying it privately, saying it privately too, but if you're saying it publicly, does that lose the effect among your teammates? That's what I'm curious about, Canty. No, I don't think it loses the effect. I mean, you could say it privately. You could say it publicly. Uh, I mean, just showing that emotion and being vulnerable with them lets them know how much you actually care about them, Carlin. And here's the thing, and make no mistake about this. Folks won't listen to what you have to say unless they know you care. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to simply say that Derek Carr didn't do that in the locker room, but he felt the need to do that in that moment in the postgame press conference. And because I'm not in the building, I'm going to give a guy like Derek Carr the benefit of the doubt, especially the way he shepherded that franchise through what they went through last year. Think fair, about it. Losing John Gruden Lou and Rich Passaccia having to step in as their interim coach. The, the Henry Ruggs tragedy, the Damon Arnett arrest, all of those different things that Derek Carr had to deal with and somehow found a way to get his team into the playoffs. I'm never going to question his leadership after what I just saw him do last year. So okay. if he felt like that was the right moment for it, then who am I to say anything different? And furthermore, Carlin, I have been in locker rooms and on teams with leaders that show that type of emotion and that level of vulnerability, especially in big spots. And more often than not, the team responds in a positive way. Top of mind, the Super Bowl. Night before, we're meeting as a team. Coach Coughlin comes in, and the message is not about X's and O's. It's not about strategy. He tells us how much he loves us. And the man's eyes welled up, Carlin. They welled up. And every person in that room to a man looked at one another, and we said, you know what? We're going to win this damn game because we got something that's special. We all love each other. Don't mean you got to like everybody that you're playing with, but we all love each other, and it matters to all of us to make sure that we don't let the guy next to us down. That was the message, and that's what came out of the emotion. Carlin, sometimes that is what the spark looks like. It doesn't have to be Ray Lewis giving a fiery speech in a huddle all the time. But some people would lead you to believe that that's what it has to take every single time, and that's just not true. Okay, well, here's Bart from earlier on uh, Barton Hahn on Derek Carr's leadership, and let's just say disagrees a little bit. It ain't easy being a leader, man. So true. quit being a little girl. Quit being soft. Well, I'm not going because I don't want to associate girls with being soft. No. Quit just, just quit being soft, step up, and be a leader. Say this guy ain't getting it done, and, and deal with the consequences. Be man enough that when that man come to you, be able to check him. That's what leaders do. Mess with all the, I'm just with everybody. Shut up, man. You sound soft. And if that's the leadership you got, you got soft leadership, which means a soft team. And I'm not talking about soft physically. I'm talking about soft emotionally and mentally. Y'all weak. Y'all soft. Okay, what do you got? Well, I mean, it's his opinion. Um, first of all, how he started that statement is problematic when we started talking about gender and, and the references that he used. Um, but to the crux of what he was trying to say, Carlin, I completely disagree. And Bar Scott can talk about trying to, you know, display this machismo form of leadership, but that's not always what's effective in terms of reaching the people, uh, reaching everybody that you need to reach in your locker room. And, you know, I would say this, man, I've been on teams that have contended at championship levels and actually finished the drill and won a Lombardi trophy. Bart Scott has been on teams that have played at a championship level. He's never won a championship. So he doesn't know what winning at that level is about. 
And I will say this, it takes a hell of a lot more than puffing up your chest and, and, and saying that I'm the leader and t- pointing at guys and telling them to follow me or else. It takes a lot more than that to have success in this league. You got to have guys buy in. And the way you get guys to buy in is by letting them know that you care about them. It don't work unless you do it that way, Carlin. It just doesn't. It's impossible. It does not happen. And so what I'm simply saying is for Derek Carr in that moment, having that emotion might be what it called for after another disappointing loss. Because, Carlin, let's face it, the Vegas Raiders should have wrapped that game up. When they forced that fumble on Michael Pittman Jr. Mm. with about five and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter, Darian Butler should have dropped down on that football. The game should have been over. They don't recover the fumble. And next play, you know, Parrish Campbell, touchdown, go-ahead score for the Indianapolis Colts. Jeff Saturday gets a win in his debut. That should not have went down like that, especially at home in Las Vegas. They got to find a way to win those games, but they should have found a way to win the game last week and the week before that as well. So it's tough right now for the Las Vegas Raiders, but if we're going to give anybody the benefit of the doubt in terms of being a good leader, it has to be Derek Carr after the 2021 that he's guided this franchise through. See, I, I get it, and I think that's totally fair because he has earned a lot of credibility there. I, I always wonder, Chris, where the line is, and you kind of helped illustrate it there a little bit, of being a leader, being emotional, being like that, like he just was, and at the very end when you say, I wish some other guys cared as much about that stuff. And that's where I wonder when you publicly say something like that, even if you're saying it privately, does that take away from the effect of it? But I get it. I mean, vulnerability from Carr in that spot is something that is absolutely interesting to see. We'll see if it makes an effect. Canty and Carlin, weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+.